morning I've chosen to speak on selective hearing. You did hear me, by the way. Uh, turn with me to Numbers 22. Somewhat familiar passage here. Uh, leading up to this in Numbers 21, Israel was wandering through their wilderness experience, but they were experiencing God's presence and God's working, and they had some opposition, and God told them to conquer other, other kings that were not necessarily, but what was happening is there was great fear by the nations because of seeing how that God was working and how that God was with his people. Uh, numerous kings and their people were destroyed or uh, brought into submission. And among them was Balak, the king of Moab. And it says he was greatly afraid when he saw what was happening. And if you go to chapter 22, we'll start at verse 5. Uh, this is, he is he's trying to decide what he's going to do to, oh, I guess you'd say self-preservation kicked in. And let's begin here at 5. He sent, this is speaking of Balak, he spent, sent messengers therefore unto Balaam, the son of Beor, to Pithor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Preadventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot that he whom thou blessed is blessed, and he whom thou curseth is cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand, and they came unto Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. All right, so here we have Balak sending for help. Uh, I thought it was interesting. This wasn't just the next city across the little stream or anything. Uh, as near as I could tell, it was probably about 300 miles away that he sent for help. Uh, so Balaam's reputation of having an extraordinary power was apparently relatively profound and well-known. Is, Balak is desperate, and he recognized the power that Balaam had. Whether he recognized, to what extent he recognized that it was power from God, I'm not real sure. But Balaam has a reputation for changing outcomes of circumstances, and Balak is desperate. 
Uh, what are the rewards of divination? I don't know. We don't really know exactly what the going fee was. But it must have been substantial riches uh, from various things that we look at that it powerfully caught Balaam's heart and attention. Let's go to verse 8. And he said, this is Balaam speaking to the ones who came, and he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me. And the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. So this is good. Uh, Balaam says, I need to pray to my God. I will seek direction and see what he says, whether I should go or not. Going to verse 9. And God said unto Balaam, and God came unto Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, hath sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Preadventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. Okay, so Balaam prayed, and God gave a clear and direct answer. Oh, this was precise direction from God, what he should and should not do. Balaam didn't need to seek to pray for better understanding. He didn't need to figure out how, what God said, how it applied. It was very straightforward and clear. He didn't have to study or seek more wisdom, get a committee. It was clear, straightforward. Thou shalt not. What was needed on Balaam's part? Pretty much one thing, and that was obedience. It wasn't a determination of knowing what God was wanting. Verse 13, going on, And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went unto Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come. Okay, so he refuses to go and to do what they asked. He refused, that was obedience to God. He did that. Uh, and that was good. But note that Balak is desperate. And verse 15, And Balak sent yet again princes more and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said unto him, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. For I will promote thee unto very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come thou, come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. 
So, he's desperate to convince him to change his mind. Uh, he's at his wit's end. He doesn't know what else to do. Whatever it is that it takes to change your mind, he was willing. Uh, what would make it more appealing? What, what can I do to bring you to heed my call? What can I do to have you listen to my desperation and to heed? Go to verse 18. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Uh, that sounds very commendable, does it not? I believe that was a very good answer. I cannot go against what God has directed me. Uh, his resolve to be within God's directions should have been the end of the conversation. And had he stopped here, I think it would have been commendable. And your and my uh, concept of Balaam would be different to this day. Balaam had no doubt about what God had said. But go there, verse 19. He says, now therefore, and this is Balaam speaking again. Now therefore, I pray thee, tarry ye also this night, that I may know, know what the Lord will say unto me more. Now what was Balaam wanting to hear more of? Was he needing clarification of what God had said? What was he wanting to hear more of? Uh, what part of God's directive had he not heard? Something that Balaam, Balak offered was tempting Balaam. Was it the riches? Was it the honor? I don't know. Uh, I would say it was probably both. But res his resolve weakened, and he seemed to think just maybe he could have both what he wanted and what God wanted. Did God mean that he couldn't go, or did he mean that he couldn't curse? He did say, I must do, not do more or less than God directs. But I believe it was becoming, in his mind, because of what he wanted, the things he heard calling, was becoming blurred and less important than it had been at first. You know, you and I are not always blessed with a thou shalt and thou shalt not. God's word is not always that definitive on direct application, thou shalt and not, thou shalt not, in our day-to-day -day living. We often have to look at God's word and see how his truth, how his principles, how his heart 
applies to the decisions that we make, what we decide. God's word does apply to every situation in our life, but it's not always with a thou shalt or thou shalt not. Applying God's word and his principles gives directions to any situation in our lives. Uh, I think there's times when we, by debating, evaluating, trying to see if it really means that, is dangerous if our heart is hoping to hear something different. If our ears are itching to hear something that would give us justification to do what we really want. Uh, we need to be careful. We may be able to convince ourselves that we're really wanting to know what God wants when he has already clearly spoken. We can usually twist or distort Scripture to justify almost anything if we want it to mean something different. If that is our desire. I believe Balaam's desires, what he had become focused on and obsessed with, became stronger and called louder than his desire to follow God because he kept listening and did not purposely say no and turn away from the temptation. Lingering and listening weakened his resolve. Peter gives an indication of what was catching his ear. Uh, 2 Peter 2, 14 and 15 it says, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb awe speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. So this scripture would indicate that what had caught Balaam's ear, what he was really hearing was the sound of honor and riches. Yes, he did want to hear what God said. He said that he wanted to do only what God wanted. But something else was tickling his ear, and he was giving it heed. Turn back to verse 19 and 20. Balaam again. Now therefore I pray you, tarry ye here also this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. And God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. Okay, so Balaam prays again. What part of God's message did he hear? 
I think all he heard was go. I don't think he heard the part about what I tell you to say, that and that alone say. Uh, by further indication, I think he did not hear what God really wanted. He wasn't tuned to the heart of God. I believe what he was hearing was being filtered by what he wanted to hear. God had already told him not to go. God had already told him not to curse the Israelites. Persistent prayer got his wish. Isn't that good? He was persistent in prayer. But I believe it was with a preconceived motive. Verse 21. I think there's probably more here that's not in the lines here. But I think it's noteworthy that it doesn't even say that the men came back and requested him again what God said and if he was going to go. It says simply... And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his oss and went with the princes of Moab. No hesitation. No wanting to know for sure if they were willing to take him knowing that he was going to say what God wanted him and that alone. He didn't mention that. I wonder if he would have told them that he was going to, if he would have reminded them again that he was only going to bring what God told him to and reminded them that God had told him not to curse them, would have they still wanted him to come? Go on to verse 22. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his os, and his two servants were with him. Okay, so obviously if God's anger was kindled, he was out of the will of God. God obviously did not want Balaam to do this. Remember, verse 12, it said, Thou shalt not... I believe God saw what was driving Balaam, which was his greed. And he knew that Balaam would continue to be blinded and to compromise because of his greed. Would it be safe to say that Balaam was intending to go and to say what he knew would get him honor and riches. Uh, I think that is probably true. His desire for riches and honor put him in a position, notice there it says, as the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. So his desires put him into position as an adversary 
of God. He allowed himself to be blinded by the truth that God had already given him to the extent that he went directly against it and God had to use some pretty extreme circumstances to catch his attention. Let's begin reading again at verse 23. And the awe saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand. And the Oz turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the Oz to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the Oz saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself onto the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. And he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. And when the awe saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the awe with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the awe, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in my hand, for now would I kill thee. And the all said to Balaam, Am not I thine os upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. Balaam couldn't see what even his donkey could see. Now, I'm not, probably none of us are real familiar with donkeys, but I don't think donkeys are normally uh, icons of intelligence or cooperation. I don't think that's the normal. Rather, they're a little bit stubborn and, you know, kind of unaware of what's going on, just kind of placidly plodding along. But three times this donkey recognized danger from God's hand because of Balaam's blind desire for wealth, for honor. Three times Balaam's lust to receive, to have blinded his eyes and his heart. He struck his donkey three times for its unusual evasive behavior. And then in 29 there, thou hast mocked me. Okay, so he's, Balaam is feeling humiliated by his inability to control his donkey. It infuriated him so bad that uh, he started conversing with the donkey. And I don't think he really thought anything about it. I think he was beside himself. But God uses the donkey to get his attention. Verse 31, Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine os these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. 
And the awe saw me and turned from me these three times. Unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. You know, when we go against what God has clearly shown us, when we, know again, when we go against what we know God wants us to do, whether it's through his word, through uh, prayer, through other Christians, when we know that God has spoken to us, when we know that God has led us, has revealed something to us, and we go against that, when we say a willful no and take the path that we want, we're opening ourselves, our lives, to a lot of different dangers, of hurts, of sin. Uh, we are opening our, ourselves up to that. And... There's a couple things that came to my mind, and this is not by any means an all-inclusive list, but uh, some of the things are, I think we find ourselves rationalizing going against God's Word. We find ourselves being able to, this makes sense to do this. This seems the right thing to do, or at least okay to do. After all, I am still, well, remember, God said go. We may find ourselves justifying ourselves, doing things we know are wrong, and would be horrified to think of ourselves doing when not obsessed with our own agenda. We don't know a lot about Balaam. But obviously he was a man who feared God, who prayed to God in a regular way, or obviously God would not have revealed himself to him. Uh, note that when he came to God in prayer, he did expect to hear from God. He doesn't really come across as, well, maybe God might, Visit me and show me. He expected to hear from God. So there had to be a... There, he was not a stranger to God. And yet he finds himself as an adversary to God. We will probably find ourselves rationalizing choices and actions that will hurt others around us. Uh, Probably people, not donkeys. The donkey got beat this time, but typically when we take our own way and go against God, you or I may be hurt, but often other people around us are often hurt also. We may find ourselves getting frustrated and upset at those around us that don't fall in or fit into our plan. And we may see people as obstacles to our plan. We may find that we're no longer open to 
guidance, direction, or promptings from God going forward, even in other areas, not only in the area that we have willfully said no to, but even in other areas in our lives, we are cutting off our avenue of communication to God. Disobedience does that. We may find ourselves lashing out, hurting those that are helping us, even putting our good ahead of their own. I don't know how brutally he beat his donkey, but the donkey had, from God's own word, had nothing to fear. The donkey wasn't going to be killed. It was Balaam whose life was in danger. We will probably find ourselves failing to see things that are obvious to those around us. Oh, we don't have any record, but I wonder what the thoughts were and how much they saw and heard of the communication uh, between Balaam and the donkey. The princes, those that came, were traveling back with him. I don't know. Uh, but it was very obvious to, I believe, Balaam and his servants that were with him, how much the princes understood or recognized what was going on. I don't know that. But being obsessed with my plans, my agenda, typically blinds me and stops my ears to the things that, are ob that should be obvious. We fail to catch, to perceive what is really happening around us many times. We can expect to find ourselves becoming the enemy's agent, working against God and assisting the devil's agenda. Uh, Obviously, that is not something that we would willfully or intentionally do. But when we say no to God, we place ourselves into a position of assisting the devil. Also, opening ourselves to discipline from God. Now, Balaam's discipline from God was going to be quite severe. Uh, from every indication that we have here, the angel intended to slay him had he not stopped. That may not always be the case. But discipline from God will follow a no in our heart. When we say no to God in our heart, there will be discipline from God. Uh, we will probably lose God's blessings in our lives and also probably at some point also the very thing that we were trying to gain or claim illegitimately or in disobedience. And we'll see that later on. Let's go back to verse 34. Look at Balaam's response to God. 
And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displease thee, I will get me back again. Hold it. If it displease thee? Can we go directly against what we know God has spoken and then ask the Lord, Oh, if I misplease you, if that was wrong. That doesn't seem like something we would typically do, is it? We would, we, in our full understanding, we would understand how that disobedience is displeasing to God. But when we put ourselves into position to be blinded, that's going to corrupt our understanding. So, uh, yes, as we look here at Balaam's response... If it displeases you, yeah, we can, we can see that easily. Remember, Balaam already had direct words. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not curse, thou shalt not go. So, I think we could uh, easily, easily come to the conclusion that Balaam... His intent was not to heed all of what God had said. Uh, Let's go to verse 35. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee, that shalt thou speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Uh, God stopped him in his tracks and told him, what I think he didn't hear before. You can only say what I want you to say. Balaam had repeated those words before. I think his ears heard those words before, but his heart did not. I believe this time God got his attention. What does it take for God to get my attention? How set am I in my own path? I think uh, that is only a question that each of us can answer if we're honest with ourselves uh, and trust that we will be willing to have listening ear to what God directs us. If you go down to verse 38, it would indicate that Balaam did finally hear what God wanted. And Balaam's, this is going on, he, he did go on to, the, to uh, Mo, down to Moab and met with Balak. And then verse 38, Balaam said unto Balak, Lo, I am come unto thee, Have I now any power at all to say anything? The word that God putteth in my mouth, that shall I speak. So, after meeting Balak, he says he can only do what God directs. 
He has resigned. He is committed to doing that at this point. If you go down in chapter 23, verse 3, there it is again. And Balaam said unto Balak, Stand by thy burnt offering, and I will go. Pre-adventure the Lord will come to meet me, and whatsoever he showeth me, I will tell thee. And he went to a high place. Now, we're not going to take the time to go through this long story, but three times Balak tries to get him to curse the Israelites. Uh, If you go down verse 11 and 12, Balaam has been asked to curse, and instead he blesses. And Balak said unto Balaam, What hast thou done unto me? I took thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast blessed them altogether. And then again, and he answered and said, Must I not take heed to speak that which the Lord hath put in my mouth? So Balak says, Well, okay, well, I've got to try to change his perspective. So he takes him off to another mountain, get a different view, get a different perspective on things, hoping that it will allow him to curse his enemies. This happened three times, but Balaam is standing firm now and reminds him he can only speak what God directs. And if you go down verse 25, finally, Balak becomes frustrated with Balaam and he says, Neither curse them at all nor bless them. But Balaam answered and said unto Balak, Told not I thee, saying, All that the Lord speaketh I must do? So he tries one more time to get him, to, he takes him to another place, and once again he brings blessing to the children of Israel, to the Israelites. But Balaam, at this point, says, only what God says can I deliver. If you go down in verse, I'm sorry, in chapter 24, verse 10, Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he smote his hands together, and Balak said unto Balaam, I call thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast altogether blessed them these three times. Therefore now flee thou to thy place. I thought to promote thee unto great honor, but lo, the Lord hath kept thee back from honor. And Balaam said unto Balak, Spake I not also to thy messengers which sendest unto me, saying, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the commandment of the Lord to do either good nor bad of mine own mind, but what the Lord hath said, that will I speak." And then he goes on to tell Balak that not only have I blessed these people, but he goes on to give them some detail on how that they are going to overthrow him and bring his people to naught. So he not only blesses instead of curses, but tells Balak that... They will overcome. But notice that Balaam is sent away empty-handed. 
he got neither the gold, the silver, or the honor. So he has discredited himself with Balak and with the Lord. I believe it was a high price to pay. Uh, as I alluded to before, I don't find anywhere that in the scripture that Balaam is referenced to in a positive way. You know, God doesn't necessarily always shout into our lives. He doesn't necessarily always give us a thou shalt or thou shalt not. But he does give us principles. He gives us his word to guide our hearts, to guide our lives. If our desire is to hear, to choose to hear his word, or if we choose to hear from the things around us and do differently than his ways, he allows us that choice. If we choose to hear the things around us, we will more and more hear the things around us calling. If we choose to hear God's voice, we will more and more hear His voice calling. Putting other things aside, I believe, will diminish the power that we hear those things calling. It will not take it away while we're in this world, but it will diminish the call. God's call will become clearer the more that we listen to and attune to his voice. So hearing God's desires, his heart, his directives must be ongoing in our lives. Just because you heard from him last week is not sufficient for this coming week. We need to continue to desire not just to hear what his word says, but to hear his heart. Let's tune our ears to hear, to obey his voice, not the things around us calling our hearts. Uh, no one wants to be woke up by a braying donkey, let alone a talking one, reprimanding us. So remember, you hear to a point what you want to hear. If you want to hear God's word, he does want to speak to us. If you want to hear your own desires, the call of the world, what it wants, what it holds dear, if that's what our heart desires, then we will hear that also. So let's choose to hear his voice. Normally we think of selective hearing as a negative, but I believe selective hearing is also a positive. It all depends on what we choose to hear.